The Guardian. During March, The Guardian's podcasts are sponsored by audible.co.uk. Audible has over 60,000 digital audiobooks and are offering Guardian podcast listeners one for free. Visit guardian.co.uk slash free download to find out more. The questions to the Prime Minister, Liz Kendall. Question number one, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, I've been, I've been asked to apply... Mr Speaker, I've been asked to apply. My right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, is visiting the United States for meetings with President Obama. I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our deepest condolences to the family and friends of the servicemen who died in Afghanistan last Tuesday. Sergeant Nigel Coop from the 1st Battalion, the Duke of Lancaster's Regiment, Corporal Jake Hartley, Private Anton Frampton, Private Chris Kershaw, Private Daniel Wade and Private Daniel Wilford, all from the 3rd Battalion, the Yorkshire Regiment. These were men of outstanding courage and selflessness. This tragic incident will long be remembered by our nation because it reminds us all of the immense danger our armed forces regularly endure to guarantee the safety and security of our country. Mr Speaker, we are also deeply shocked at the appalling news that a number of Afghan civilians were wounded and killed in Afghanistan on Sunday morning. And we send our sincere sympathies to the victims and families that have been affected by this terrible incident. This morning, Mr Speaker, I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Liz Kendall. I'd like to associate myself with the Deputy Prime Minister's comments about the tragic events in Afghanistan. I'm sure members on both sides of the House uh, express our deepest sympathies for the families who've lost loved ones at this deeply distressing time. Mr Speaker, today the Prime Minister is in America, where unemployment is coming down, where unemployment is coming down, the economy is growing. In Britain, unemployment is now at its highest for 17 years and the economy is flatlining. Can the Deputy Prime Minister explain what's gone wrong? (laughs) What went wrong was the Labour government for 13 years. the most unholy mess in 2008 which we are now having to clear up the only way to get the only way the only way to get the economy moving is to fix the deficit get banks lending money again and making sure we have a tax and benefit system that pays people to work introduce a freedom bill to get rid, rid of a lot of bossy and unloved regulations. Yeah. Well, we are already, uh, as uh, my honourable friend knows, uh, already uh, introduced a, a large set of measures which have removed a lot of unnecessary clutter on the statute book and any further opportunities to do so, we would grab that with, uh, with open arms. Harriet Harman. Mr Speaker, can I join the Deputy Prime Minister in paying tribute to Sergeant Nigel Coop of 1st Battalion, the Duke of Lancaster's Regiment, and from 3rd Battalion, the Yorkshire Regiment, Corporal Jake Hartley, Private Anthony Frampton, Private Christopher Kershaw, Private Daniel Wade, Private Daniel Wilford. They died in tragic circumstances, serving our country with bravery and with determination. 
Their deaths remind us of the great sacrifice our armed services make on our behalf and our thoughts are with their families. I join with the Deputy Prime Minister in expressing our horror at the appalling murder in Afghanistan on Sunday of 16 civilians, including nine children. We all deplore this crime and express our deepest condolences. And Mr Speaker, today's figures show unemployment up and the hardest hit are young people looking for work and women being thrown out of work. The Deputy Prime Minister says the Liberal Democrats are making a difference in this government. With, with, with more than a million women looking for work, what difference does he believe he has made to those women? Mr Speaker, uh, of course uh, these uh, figures, any increase in unemployment is disappointing. It is a personal tragedy for anyone who loses their job and for them and their, and their families. I think she should be careful, however, not to pretend that somehow this is a problem which was invented by this government. Let's remember that the unemployment, the unemployment of women went up by 24% under Labour. Youth unemployment, youth unemployment went up by 40% under Labour, remorselessly since 2004. So I suggest we all need to work together to bring unemployment down. Mr Speaker, when we left government, unemployment was coming down and their economic policy is not only driving up unemployment, it means they'll have to borrow more. It's hurting, but it certainly is not working. And, and for all his bluster, the truth is that having five Liberal, Liberal Democrats seated round the Cabinet table has made no difference whatsoever. To what the business secretary said on economic policy, this government has no compelling vision. These days, no one agrees with Nick, but does Nick agree with Vince? Yeah. Speaker, I think, I, think it's I think it's worth just dwelling on some of the uh, uh, some of the details which have been published this morning on the unemployment statistics, because behind the headline figures, long-term unemployment actually came down in these quarterly figures, and very, very importantly, the number of new jobs created in the private sector outstripped the number of jobs left in the pu public sector. And under her government, under her government, the Labour Party sucked up to the City of London and over-relied on jobs in the public sector. We are now having to remedy those mistakes and we are creating new jobs in the private sector. He's complacent about unemployment under his government. And the Lib Dems are making no difference on unemployment, just as they are making no difference on the NHS. When it, when it comes to the NHS, the Deputy Prime Minister obviously thinks he's doing a stunning job. So, explain why he's failed to persuade the doctors, the nurses, the midwives, the paediatricians, the physicians, the physiotherapists and the patients. Mr Speaker, um, the Labour Party used to believe in reform. Now they believe in starving the NHS of cash and, and failing to provide any reform. Her own manifesto in 2010 said to... Order! Order! We must hear the response from the Deputy Prime Minister. Indeed. Uh, her own manifesto said, to safeguard the NHS in tougher fiscal times, we need sustained reform. The Labour Party was right then and is wrong now. What happened? Harriet 
Harman. We are proud of what Labour did when we were in in the health service. He can't even convince his own conference. Doesn't, doesn't he realise that people are still against this bill because it hasn't changed one bit? It's still, it's still a top-down reorganisation. Order. Order. I said a moment ago that the Deputy Prime Minister's response must be heard. The question from the Deputy Leader of the Labour Party will be heard. That's the be-all and end-all of it. Harriet Harman. This bill is still a top-down reorganisation. It's yeah. still yeah. going to cost the NHS a fortune, yeah. and it's still going to lead to fragmentation and privatisation. Yeah. It's clear the Deputy Prime Minister won't stand up for the NHS. The only thing he is when the Prime Minister walks in the room. Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, some of her, some of her colleagues, some of her colleagues must think the Liberal Democrats make a difference because they were handing out leaflets at our conference in Gateshead while her leader was throwing a sickie and going to watch Hull City yeah. play football. says she's proud of their record. Is she proud of the fact that her government spent £250 million of taxpayers' money on sweetheart deals with the private sector, which didn't help a single NHS patient? Is she proud of the fact that under the 2006 Act, which her friend there uh, worked on, it was a privatiser's charter in which her government offered an 11% premium on the private sector to undercut the NHS? Is she proud of that? Some members, perhaps not initiated in the proceedings of Prime Minister's questions, are yelling answer. I remind the House that in these matters, the Prime Minister or the Deputy Prime Minister does the answering. That's the situation. Harriet Harman. We'll compare what our government did on the NHS with what his government is doing any day. And he says the problem with this bill is that doctors and nurses just don't understand it. But the problem is that they do. However, even at this late stage, it's within his power to stop this bill. Next Monday, the bill reaches its final stage in the House of Lords. There are 90 Lib Dem peers. Their votes will decide whether or not this bill becomes law. Will he instruct Shirley Williams and his peers to vote to stop the bill? has invited me to make a comparison. Let me make three comparisons. Order. I say it again. The response must be heard. And that's all there is to it. The Deputy Prime Minister. The Right Honourable Lady has invited me to make comparisons. Let me make three comparisons. The Shadow Health Secretary has said it is irresponsible to increase NHS spending. So they don't believe in more money for the NHS. We do. Comparison one. Secondly, they indulge the private sector with sweetheart deals, which we are making illegal in this bill. They sweetheart deals with the private sector, we do not. They presided over inequality in the NHS, which again, we are making a statutory obligation in this bill to deliver a more equal outcome in the NHS, which they failed to deliver in 13 years. Yeah. Harriet Harman. Absolute, absolute 
rubbish and Williams vote for it, he's trashed not one, but two national treasures. He, he didn't need to sign the bill, but he did. He could stop the bill, but he won't. He says the Lib Dem Dems make a difference, but they don't. What has happened to that fine liberal tradition? They must be turning in their graves. The party of William Gladstone, the party of David Lloyd George. Of Nick Clegg. I know she has her pre-prepared script, which she sticks to religiously, but it's worth, it's worth actually having a question and answer session. That's what this whole thing is actually about. Um, what we're doing on this side of the House, the two parties which have come together in the coalition, is sort out the banking system, which she left in a mess. To sort out the public finances, which she left in a mess. To sort out the economy, which she left in a mess privatisation of the NHS, which she left in a mess. Do you know what? In government, in government, the Labour Party ran out of ideas, in op in, of money. In opposition, they're running out of ideas. Laurie Burt. My uh, right honourable friend uh, may be aware of figures released this week, uh, which show that there has at least been some progress towards the target uh, of 15% of women on boards by 2015. What can our coalition government do to ensure that we meet this, they meet this target and enrich our boards with a diversity of talent uh, to achieve the growth that we as a country need? I think it is excellent news that there's been real, real progress in the, in the few short months we've been in, far more progress than was delivered in 13 years under Labour, to get more women uh, onto our boards. I think everybody now agrees there is a real consensus that having more women on boards is good for uh, all of the companies involved. There was a woefully unrepresentative mix on our boards, and I very much hope that we will continue to apply the right kind of voluntary pressure to see that increase further in the future. Mary Glyndon. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I sincerely hope that the Deputy Prime Minister enjoyed our famous North East hospitality and the support of Northumbria Police at his spring conference in Gateshead. Could he now tell the House when the 3,000 extra police he promised at the general election will be in post? Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker uh, as her own party acknowledges, the police... The police need to make savings. I think, I think the key thing is, the key thing is not exactly what the total number is, but where are, but where are the police? Or order. I don't know what members are having for breakfast, but I'm not going to have any part of it. The Deputy Prime Minister's answers must be heard. The Deputy Prime Minister. But where are police officers properly deployed? And over the last decade or so, far, far too many police officers were tied up in knots, filling out paperwork in the back office, rather than out in our communities and streets where they belong. Mr Peter Lilly. Does my right honourable friend share the priorities of my constituents who believe that this Parliament should focus its attention on cutting the deficit, promoting growth and getting people off welfare into work, and would be bemused if they learnt that we were to spend much of our time on discussing the reform of the House of the Lords. How shall I explain that to priority to them? I, 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 
I suspect in the same way that he will no doubt explain to his constituents that there are other priorities like uh, changing the boundaries, changing the boundaries of constituents, which I know is close to his heart and that of his party. I think governments and parliaments can do more than one thing at once. I also believe that it is a simple, a simple democratic principle that people who make the laws of the land should be elected by people who have to obey the laws of the land. Mr Gordon Marsden. Yeah. Mr. Deputy Speaker, uh, Mr. Speaker, <laughs> my apologies, it's elsewhere that the deputy's there today. Uh, study after study shows that services working closely, NHS services working closely with social care is crucial for older people. And in Blackpool, that's what my primary care trust has been doing alongside the council's social services in the same set of offices. So can I ask the Deputy Prime Minister why he's still cheerleading for a bill that scraps trusts and that cooperation and puts the future health of older people, including my constituency, at risk. Mr Speaker, I'm, I'm backing a bill which for the first time includes new statutory uh, obligations to integrate social and health care. Because you're, he's, he's quite right, he's quite right, it's one of the abiding failings in our health service that these two uh, services, social care and health care, were not properly integrated. They haven't been much integrated over the last 10 years, that's what we're trying to do now. And secondly, the creation of health and wellbeing boards, which will bring representatives of both the NHS and social care together. Mr Andrew, Mr. Andrew Griffiths. Mr Speaker, uh, can I begin by congratulating the Government on its efforts to tackle the irresponsible pricing of alcohol by supermarkets. As the Chairman of the All-Parliamentary Beer Group, I commend the Government for that. But does the Deputy Prime Minister agree with me that the safest place to drink is in the community pub, that beer is a lower strength drink, and scrapping the beer duty escalator would create 5,000 jobs? So will he take his Treasury colleagues out for a beer and tell them not to put up the duty on the Great British Pint. Mr Speaker, as you know, all those kind of questions are up for the, for the Chancellor to announce uh, at the time of the Budget, but I'm sure everyone across the House agrees with his uh, sentiment that we should support community pubs, which are such an important uh, part of, our, of the fabric of our communities up and down the country. Mr Dennis Skinner. Yeah. That now that the gang of four Tories are gallivanting round America, he's got a chance to shine. Now, what does he really, really think about this Murdoch sleaze and the latest development? The Prime Minister riding borrowed police horses, having employed Andy Coulson in the heart of government. Man to man! Mr Speaker, we had to wait a while for him to get going, but it was great. Uh, 
was great when it was done. I think, I think we're soon going to um, we're soon going to celebrate, if that's the right verb, 42 years of uh, the honourable member's presence in this in this house. And I'm delighted to see that in all that time he hasn't mellowed one bit. Mr. John Whittingdale. Will the uh, will the deputy prime minister? join me and my rightable friend, the member for Chelmsford, in congratulating the citizens of Chelmsford on their newly acquired status following Her Majesty's announcement that Chelmsford is to be a city. Does he agree that this is entirely appropriate in Olympic year, that Essex's first city should be chosen, when Essex is also looking forward to hosting the mountain biking competition during the Olympics? I'm not sure if my honourable friend from Colchester would entirely share that um, sentiment. We're all aware of the Colchester-Chelmsford uh, rivalry, but I, I, can, um, I can confirm the announcement today, the results of the Civic Honours competition in honour of Her Majesty the Queen's Diamond Jubilee, namely that Chelmsford, Perth and St Asaph have, have been awarded the right to call themselves a city, while Amar will from now on have a, a Lord Mayor. And whilst I know there will be disappointment in other uh, for, uh, communities uh, who entered into this uh, contest, I, I think it is indeed another uh, announcement which really lifts the spirit of the nation in this uh, the year of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Helen Goodman. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Before the general election, the Deputy Prime Minister said he was profoundly hostile to the closure of Remploy factories. Yeah. Now, 1,700 disabled people are losing their jobs because of the closure of 36. What difference has he made? Yes. Mr Speaker, as, as the Honourable Lady will know, uh, this is a consequence of a review conducted by Liz Sace, uh, the head of the UK Disability Forum. Her conclusions are supported by organisations like Mind and MenCap and others, and I don't want to lightly disagree with them because they say, and this is their conclusions, and this is what they think we should be doing, they believe that segregated employment, which was started in the aftermath of the Second World War, is not the best way to promote the interests of disabled people in this country in the 21st century. Stephen Hammond. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last weekend, the Deputy Prime Minister spoke about the need for a ty tycoon tax. Could he say whether he intends that to include individuals who claim that they want tax raised on the rich, yet set up companies so they only pay 20% or 50% of their income, such as Ken Livingstone? Mr Speaker, it is, it is worth dwelling for a minute on the explanation provided by Ken Livingstone for his exotic tax arrangements. I quote from uh, an interview he made just this weekend, I get loads of money, all from different sources, and I give it to an accountant and they manage it. That's modern socialism for you. Rosie Cooper. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In September 2010, I raised with the Prime Minister the case of a Parkville College in my constituency that lost £4 million following the closure of the Regional Development Agency. I asked the Prime Minister for a hand up, not a hand out for the young people in my constituency. Last week that college was opened, officially opened, yet 18 months on there's no sign of progress in addressing the shortfall. As the Deputy Prime Minister has said, there should be no barriers to people's talent and aspiration. So will he help give the young people of West Lancashire a hand up? Mr Speaker, of course. 
Of course, ministers will be more than willing to look into the case of her, of her college. Um, colleges are unbelievably important in providing uh, skills uh, and support to uh, young people seeking to get the right qualifications to get into work. They've been working uh, successfully with the government, not least, for instance, to provide a hugely expanded apprenticeship programme, the largest expansion in apprenticeships ever uh, in our country. And of course, uh, I, I'm more prepared to make, I'm more than happy to make sure that ministers look at the case she raises. David Morris. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. After the 2004 Morecambe Bay cottle pickers disaster, the Gangmasters Licensing Authority was created. Whilst the GLA has protected vulnerable workers, it has also been a burden to business. Can my right honourable friend assure me that any cuts in red tape will not leave workers unprotected, in particular the shell fisheries industry? Mr Speaker, I, 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 hear, I hear what he says. It is a very important issue, this, and it is important to get the balance right. And I know that DEFRA is working to ensure that uh, the Gangmasters Licensing Authority works in a manner which is effective and bears down on abuse, such as the abuse in Morecambe Bay that he alludes to, but does so in as uh, business-friendly a manner as possible to minimise the amount of unnecessary red tape. Pete Wishart. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the Deputy Prime Minister would like to heartily congratulate the City of Perth for its restoration of city status in today's Giant Diamond Jubilee announcement of city, official city status. He will know of the fantastic cross-community, cross-party support that's led to the restoration of this fantastic civic honour. And can I thank the Palace and him and his department for organising this competition and for this tremendous award today. Mr Speaker, those are the kind of questions I like. Uh, I, uh, I, um... <laughs> I think it is a good thing, and of course, uh, on behalf of I think everybody in the House, I would like to convey uh, my congratulations to all the people of Perth who have worked in such a fabulous way on a cross-party basis uh, to, uh, to get this accolade, this award today. Martin Horwood. One treasured piece of green space near Cheltenham is attracting a lot of sporting attention this week, but other local green spaces treasured by local people will be at risk if the national planning policy framework uh, doesn't follow help us follow Germany's example of combining economic success with tough controls to protect the countryside. Can my right honourable friend reassure us that a, a truly green planning framework is still a safe bet? Mr. Speaker, the uh, government will be publishing the national policy planning framework shortly. Uh, I think it is important. I think it is important we do everything, including through the planning system, to promote growth because we need growth, we need jobs, and we need new homes, particularly for young families who are unable to have a home which they can call their own. But of course, of course, that should be tempered by social and environmental considerations, and that balance uh, will be properly reflected in the planning uh, framework when uh, when it is published. Uh, I hope shortly. Jeremy Corbyn. Robin. On Monday, the Housing Minister told me and told the House that the Government had no plans or wish to introduce rent controls in the private sector. Is the Deputy Prime Minister aware that the rising of private sector rents in central London, the capping of housing benefits, means in effect that many families on benefit are being forced out? It's a process of social cleansing that's going on. Will he give a commitment that the Government will examine the case for private sector rent controls? 
Mr Speaker, as he knows, we have, uh, at the same time as announcing the restraint on the housing benefit budget, which was a commitment in his own party's manifesto to bring that, uh, that part of the benefit system under control, we've accompanied that with a major fund to, to deal with hard cases. Uh, we've also, of course, uh, unveiled a number of measures which should lead to a significant increase in the building of affordable homes. It is the lack of supply of affordable homes that is the underlying problem in London and elsewhere in the country. Douglas Carswell. <coughs> changes, changes to child benefit will mean that a single income family earning £43,000 a year, where one parent stays at home to care for the children, will subsidise a couple earning over £80,000. Does the Deputy Prime Minister think that this is fair? I think, I, think, I, think it is, I think it is fair that someone who is uh, earning far, far, far beyond uh, the, the average should, should not be, should not be subsidised in receiving child benefit from people on much lower incomes. He does, raise, he does raise a perfectly valid point, which is that the cut-off point, the cut-off point can create these anomalies, these cliff edges, where, as he said, you can have one earner on 43,000 having their child benefit removed while uh, two earners earning 80,000 will not. And we've, we've, we've all said that we will look at the pra a pragmatic way of implementing this in a sensitive manner. Naomi Long. The Deputy Prime Minister will be aware of the very serious incidents in my constituency involving three separate explosive devices planted since Friday, and the most recent being adjacent to two local schools. Will he join with me in condemning those reckless attacks which bring misery to the community and place lives at risk? And can he assure this House that in the absence of the International Monitoring Commission, the UK Government will continue to monitor closely any linkages between such activity and prescribed organisations? Mr Speaker, of course, I, I'm sure I speak on behalf of the whole House when I say I utterly condemn the, the, the cowardly pipe bomb attacks in East Belfast, which endangered, endangered the lives of all those in the surrounding areas, including young children attending, uh, attending school. Uh, totally reprehensible. I understand that all of these attacks are now being investigated by the PSNI. There is no indication at present, at present that these are terrorist attacks, and they therefore fall to the purview of the Northern Ireland Justice Minister. Martin Vickers. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. Yeah. Uh, the EU is con uh, presently consulting on changes to the rules governing state aid uh, to, uh, in assisted areas. The uh, government has shown commitment to Northern Lincolnshire by establishing an enterprise zone in, a, a, in order to attract a large businesses. The changes will restrict aid only to SMEs. Can the Deputy Prime Minister assure me that the government will fight these proposals and look for alternatives? Yeah. Deputy Prime Minister. I'm delighted that the um, enterprise zone in North Lincolnshire and the Humber area is now taking shape and will be a huge boost, not least through investment uh, from major investors like Siemens in the renewable uh, energy sector in that part of the world. I hear what he says about the European Commission reviewing how those rules will be applied uh, for regional aid. I think it's from 2014 onwards. We are extremely mindful that we don't want those rules to undermine the excellent work now taking place in North Lincolnshire. The Ministry of Justice announced today that it had given two new contracts worth some £30 million of public money to a free. This company has been under investigation by the police, by the Department of Work and Pensions, by the Public Accounts Committee, 
and since I've been raising concerns about it, I've received 40 or 50 emails from members of the public alleging fraud and bad practice. Is the government going to continue handing out public money to AFRI? As she knows, she raises a, a very a serious issue. The police investigation into the allegations of fraud in A4E contracts were all contracts, of course, entered into by the previous government. We have now, we have now launched, we have now launched our own, we have now launched our own audit of the existing contracts which A4E has received from uh, from government. And if there's any evidence, if there's any evidence of systematic abuse, then of course we would end all contracts with A4E. Jason McCartney. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The six British servicemen killed in Afghanistan last week will be repatriated next Tuesday and will include three of my constituents, Corporal Jake Hartley, uh, Private Danny Wilford and Private Anthony Frampton. At this difficult time for the families, will the Deputy Prime Minister assure me and my constituents that everything is being done by the government to support the families? I, I know how strongly he must feel about this terrible accident, given that three of his constituents um, have sadly lost their lives. I know that the Ministry of Defence, and I'm sure the Secretary of State would wish to confirm that with him uh, personally, are doing absolutely everything they can do in quite difficult circumstances to make sure that the um, bodies are, are returned to the families as soon as possible. Durkin. Has the Deputy Prime Minister considered the implications of the Treasury's planned changes in the controlled foreign companies rules, which will incentivise multinationals having recourse to tax havens? Uh, opening this new tax loophole is estimated to cost developing countries some £4 billion in fair and much needed revenue, and the exchequer here a billion pounds in fair and much needed revenue. Will this perverse and invidious change be corrected in forthcoming budget measures? Well, I certainly think he raises an important issue. I've, I've spoken to campaigners uh, on this issue myself, and I know that, for instance, ActionAid has been speaking to Treasury ministers as well. Like all international tax uh, matters, it's incredibly complicated once you get into the detail, but it, is something, but it is something which, of course, was not dealt with in the last 13 years, which we are now prepared to look into. Timpson. Speaker, will my right honourable friend join me in welcoming the launch today of the Government's Adoption Action Plan that sets out how we can achieve more adoptions more quickly? And does he agree with me that making adoption work well everywhere should be the priority of all of us who have the interests of vulnerable people at heart? I'm sure he speaks on behalf of everybody in the House when we say that it is so frustrating for uh, couples and parents who want to uh, adopt uh, children and also not good for the, for the children concerned when there are inordinate delays and that is why uh, I think it is a very good thing that there seems to be a general consensus that the announcements made recently by the Secretary of State for Education, the Prime Minister, to accelerate the adoption process will now indeed, uh, now indeed happen. Sir Stephen Hepburn. Is it right that when my constituent took a young daughter to A&E and later received a letter from a GP saying that that visit was inappropriate and also reminded of the costs of that visit, is this going to be the future of the NHS under this government where often vulnerable and elderly people are going to be made scared to ask for treatment? 
of course not, and clearly that letter has is, is, is been issued under the current system. But I think he, he does touch no, but he does he does touch he does touch on a very serious issue, which we not only we face in this country, but every single developed society around faces, which is we have healthcare systems which weren't designed for a massively aging population where an increasingly large number of older people have long-term chronic conditions and spend much, much longer in hospital than before. And that's why we need to make sure that they are kept well and strong in as much as possible in their homes and in their communities. That is what this NHS bill is all about. Liz Truss. Students at Comprehensive School are just as likely to study A-level history as their private school counterparts. However, they're only half as likely to study maths or physics. What, are, what is the government going to do about the social mobility issue that we have in the sciences? And does he support the proposed Sir Isaac Newton Maths School in Norfolk to help address this issue? I, I think she highlights an incredibly important uh, point. It's one of the reasons why the new uh, English baccalaureate does play a great deal of emphasis on those scientific disciplines. It's why we've protected the science budget in order to send out a clear signal that we value sciences. It's why we've placed such an emphasis on STEM subjects, because we need more youngsters, particularly from disadvantaged backgrounds, taking up maths and science courses for our collective futures in the country as a whole. Gok. Thank you, Mr Speaker. He says the health bill would be going through unamended without the Liberal Democrats. But will he listen to people up and down the country who know the real truth that the Tories would not be getting their shambolic bill at all without him and his MPs propping them up? As I said before, I would have thought he would have welcomed legislation which outlaws, outlaws, outlaws the the practice indulged in on an industrial scale by his party of giving sweetheart deals to the private sector. During March, The Guardian's podcasts are sponsored by audible.co.uk. Audible has over 60,000 digital audiobooks and are offering Guardian podcast listeners one for free. Visit guardian.co.uk slash free download to find out more. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.